episode 71 of Utah in the Weeds coming at you. My name is Tim Pickett. I am your host, medical cannabis expert, so to speak, a medical provider here in Utah, founder of utahmarijuana.org and Utah Therapeutic Health Center, a series of medical cannabis specialty clinics here in the great state of Utah. Today, we're talking to Brad Daw. He's a former legislator a key person in the medical cannabis program. Uh, He was in the room, quote unquote, when major decisions were being made, especially with regard to the updates of the medical cannabis program over the past few years. I think this is interesting for patients in Utah and advocates alike. From a housekeeping perspective, tune in to Discover Marijuana YouTube channel We do webinars every other week and have a released video talking about the science and medicine of cannabis. The best way to get a hold of me or ask a question is simply to go to that YouTube channel and comment on one of the videos. We look at every question and answer all of them as best we can. You can subscribe to the podcast on any podcast player that you prefer. All episodes are on utahmarijuana.org. Again, utahmarijuana.org slash podcast. This is Utah in the Weeds. I'm Tim Pickett. Introduce yourself a little bit. You know, describe your history, especially that in the legislature. I uh, began my legislative service after the election of 2004. That's when I was first elected. And I was in for a number of years. And then for reasons that, well, I mean, to put it bluntly, I took on payday lenders. And they have a lot of money, and they decided to target me. And in 2012, they uh, they took me out. In 2014, what they had done became readily apparent, and I got back in. And that's really when I started the whole thing with medical cannabis was around that time. And then I was in until just this last year, and and really enjoying it. So. And I've worked on a number of issues. I worked a lot on prescription drug abuse. Uh, I worked on election transparency, uh, you know, honest elections. Uh, worked a lot with, uh, um, you know, with healthcare and, and making it affordable and trying to find a way to get access for people who don't normally have access, trying to uh, change the healthcare model to one that uh, makes a little bit more sense than our current system does. So. Those are just a couple of areas that I have uh, specialized in. Do you uh, feel like do you feel like you're somebody who hangs to the right on the political spectrum, or you? Kind of, where do you fit in the in the left to right? Well, I, I, I tell right from Utah County, so in Utah County, I'm I'm right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, you know, I tilt to the right. So I mean, yeah. make no mistake about it. I I come at things from a uh, and. I, I use terms not to, in a way of disparagement, just trying to kind of give you a, a, a feel of what I believe in. Yeah. You know, I believe in uh, uh, government should be uh, limited, but not non-existent. That uh, government does have a role, but we should always be mindful of the fact that uh, the vast majority of people choose to make good decisions and really don't want to pay a lot in taxes unless they're getting, well, ever, and whenever they do pay in taxes, they want to see they're getting a rock-solid benefit for the money that they're being required to give. Right. So, and it's always be, I always want to be clear about that. I, I've heard some politicians call taxes contributions, and it just makes them kind of gag. 
it's not a contribution. It's a, it, you are required to give taxes. And uh, I need to always remember that. So like I said, I want government to be, have a light hand, but understand that they do have a particular role in, in many areas that uh, they're, they're only suited for. And we need to understand that. So yes, I, I lean to the right. And but, I also think I lean towards the idea of, of solving problems, not just being an ideologue. So, right, not like not just legislating because you can, you, you you're you're you see a potential issue and then try to fix that issue. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the whole idea. Is let's let's look at the issue, and and frankly, let's consider all perspectives. Let's look at those who lean left, those who lean right, uh, all across the spectrum. Let's gather ideas, and let's you know let's run that through kind of my. You know, my, my preference, which is that government take the, the least invasive role they can. And then from that, let's see if we can find a solution. Did you, when you were working in healthcare, um, you know, we're 2010, right? 2008. Are you talking about medical cannabis at all at that clear back then? No, uh, it, it was on the radar. It didn't get on the radar for me until... Well, you know what? You probably know this better than I do. When did Charlotte's Web kind of hit the national news? Oh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, I'll tell you right now. I'll it seems like that was around 13, 12, 13, 14, around there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the, you know, the critical events started right then in July 2013. Yeah. You know that that's the summer when we're talking about it, right? I think so. Yeah, Charlotte's Web kind of. I, I mean, for me, that was a paradigm shift. I mean, I, I you hear people talking about medical cannabis. California has has had medical cannabis for thirty years now, uh, and and all the time you're you're just kind of in the back of your head saying, okay. Great, you, you've got a way to uh, get a hold of some marijuana and you know get high. Show me some evidence of actual medical efficacy. You yeah. know, show me what it is. And and it wasn't that I was close-minded. I some people might disagree, but it was that look, show me, show me what you got. Put your cards on the table. If there's really genuine medical use for it, let's have it. And with Charlotte's Web. We, we had to start saying, well, at least this substance called CBD has some use. And, and that kind of opened the door for me and said, all right, the, the notion that, you know, marijuana is a Schedule One drug or cannabis is a Schedule One drug, which means it has no real medical benefit that outweighs its uh, risk or abuse potential, just didn't fly anymore. It's like we, we, we have to change our thinking. And it's clear that the federal government wasn't going to. So that's what got me in the space. Now, I, my degree is in electrical engineering. I, I have no, other than uh, having been a patient many, many times because of some injuries I had when I was a child, that's my contact with the healthcare industry. So I, I'm a guy who comes at it with a, hopefully an unbiased view, but or at least a, a view that's not trying to, you know, put my thumb on the scale for any one group or another, but just trying to do what's right. You're and, basically and trying to be mind. a, yeah, like an innocent 
an innocent, educated bystander. We're going to take both sides. I represent my district, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you represent a, a fairly conservative part of the state. Right. Um, so was there discussions at that time about, you know, going towards THC like California or that, it seems to me like in my memory, you know, I'm graduating PA school at this time. Mm-hmm. From the University of Utah, there's no, I can't remember, although we were buried in school, I can't really remember a bunch of, you know, discussions about, like, let's bring medical marijuana on board in, in mm-hmm. 2013-14. For me, it was, uh, I, I mean, where I started with was, okay, CBD is definitely something we need to look at. And, and, and again, take the cautious approach. If that's the substance that has medical benefit, Let's explore it. Let's find a way to, to make it uh, available in a way that's legal and, and, and also regulated for, for safety and consistency and that sort of thing. So you're not just buying, you know, you know your CBD at the, at the gas station and hoping that it's not laced with something really exciting. You know, right. it's something that you would get off of a drugstore shelf. That's what we wanted to get to was you can, you can be assured that this CBD that you're buying has the same level of quality and assurance as if you bought a bottle of Tylenol, ibuprofen, or anything else. You know, it, 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 what it has in it is what it says it has. So, what are the at the time were there a lot of people that were really against, or did you feel like it was this was something that you had a lot of support for? Um, there was a lot of angst, and and I, uh, I mean, r- what really happened is toward the end of the session. And I want to say this is the 2014 session because mm-hmm. that was my first session back in. Uh, I uh, Evan Vickers and I had a long history together. He had been on the Health and Human Services Committee in the House with me, and then you know now he was in the Senate in 2014, and we were good friends. And of course, he's got a, a pharmaceutical background, and and he was somebody I trusted and still trust completely. And so I said, listen. I don't want this to be driven by those who I think might have a motive beyond just medical. In other words, they might be using medical as a wedge issue to push for recreational. I want this to be uh, pushed as a way to provide medical uh, relief to those who actually would genuinely benefit from it. So that's when I started with Evan is in 2014 looking at it. And we've been kind of on that uh, road ever since together. So, I mean, he's kind of stuck with it now, but. Uh, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely stuck with it all the way yeah. to, to be like a, a, uh, essentially the leader in the, you know, the THC side of things right. from a legislative standpoint through now. How did that mm-hmm. progress until you, you know, there's this piece, there's this period of time in 2017, you said, when you, I mean, it didn't, you essentially got primaried out. Is that what they call it? 2018, yeah. 2018. Uh, yeah, I got eliminated. Well, no, no, uh, I'm sorry. It was, uh, it was just this last year. What am I thinking? It's 2020. So I was in. It's been a long, it's been a long year. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, 2020, it was just a, I, I mean, let's call it what it was. Um, I won't use the word because we're being recorded, but you know, <laughs> a, 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 you know what kind of storm. So, yeah, right? it, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a long two years of a year. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and some of that's still 
some of that still lingers, you know, with this, um, there's so much in the, there's just so much still to deal with. It seems like we're at now. Yeah. So, it, so 2020, so you, you go all the way through, right. how does, how does this, what changed your mind about, you know, involving THC? Was it really just the, the referendum, the, the ballot initiative? Uh, no. No, it wasn't at all. In fact, if you look at the the bill that we started with, it allowed for some level of THC along with the CBD. Um, we were leery of uh, raw raw flour, and still a little leery of raw, raw flour, frankly. But we were open to the idea that some level of THC is effective, and and our bill got modified to the point where we were open to. Uh, you know, up to 50-50 THC, CBD, and, and so forth. And, uh, and, and honestly, we were, we were willing to do more than that once we got doctors on board and, and evidence in place that demonstrated that it was effective. In fact, we passed a, a bill, you know, it, it was thoroughly mocked, but it was a right to try, which allowed for full-strength cannabis. And the idea there was, well, let's, I mean, that was kind of our toe tap into, uh, you know, basically whatever kind of cannabis you want. Now, we weren't quite ready to uh, endorse raw bud, but we were certainly ready to endorse anything else. And, and that's where it got to. And again, we're trying to follow the evidence. I mean, um, there was concerns about the, the abuse potential of THC, and that's why we think that should be in the care of a doctor. On the other hand, I passed another bill. This is kind of one I did on my own with Senator Hinkins for hemp. And that one allows you to buy CBD products over the counter. So, you know, where, where there can be abuse, like there can with opioids, you want to go through a doctor. But where there's not really an abuse potential, sell it over the counter and just ensure, like you do with Tylenol and so forth, that it's safe. This it's is the bill. Yeah, and this is the bill that regulated or that started the process where now we have companies, um, and there's been some really good things about this. I've I've interviewed Blake Smith from Zion Medicinal, you know, and I do a, a YouTube channel, Discover Marijuana with him. And we talk about the that certificate of analysis on all the CBD products. Right. Where you've got, you know, you've just got products. There's so many products across the nation, even to where you don't know what's in there yeah and and there's some charlatans i i've heard of uh, people putting uh all manner of weird stuff in with their cbd uh um i want to say some kind of blood thinner or something like that i, I don't even know what they're thinking i, I mean and, and yeah. different kinds of opioids and, and laced them with fentanyl and and it, you know heaven knows what uh and of course it's all illegal but uh they they find ways to sell it, and then we have to go out and figure out what's in it. And nope, that's not it. So, again, that's why we think there needs to be that government oversight saying, okay, we will analyze the product and, and ensure that it is what you say it is. But that's the extent of oversight is we guarantee that it's pure and that it's accurate on the label. And then we allow people in the case of CBD to say, well, I can decide what and how I'll take it. Everybody's going to be dying to know. Are you somebody who's consumed CBD? Have you used yes. it for for anything? Yeah, I use it for a sleep aid. 
do, do you find it it helps? Yeah, it's pretty effective. I mean, it's uh, the nice thing about it is it uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't uh, it produce any kind of a high. It just uh, it, it it has some CBN in it as well, or CBG or something like that. There's there's yeah CBN there's in there that uh, it is more effective as a sleep aid. And uh, I find that it actually works pretty well. I uh, I have been on a prescription sleep aid that it's not bad, but I kind of want to get off of it. And so this uh, this actually works. So yes, I consume CBD. I have no problem with it at all. Yeah, the CBD and the CBN are good. That's a good combo. And it's a reputable company that's trying to yeah. play ball by the rules, and and uh, they're doing a good job. And I'm I'm very happy to work with them and support their product. So. What's the what does the legislature have against the flower? Is it really just because the argument I've heard that and that I tell my patients, frankly, you know, because we're a no flame state in the in the the THC side, right? Is there's a lot of lung damage that you're avoiding by not using, uh, you know, a flame. But is that right. is that the only argument that's that was happening at the time? I mean. Is it this image to this image of bra bud? It's it depends who you talk to. Law enforcement doesn't like it because there's no way to properly distinguish between legal and illegal marijuana, right? I mean, that's that's a problem for them. And people say, Well, I can put it in a container. Yeah, well, I can go buy a container and <laughs> right. put bra bud in it. So that's that's a problem for them and we can just, you know, you can dispute whether marijuana should be illegal or not. But uh, for law enforcement, since it's still illegal, they have a concern with that. There is kind of the uh, uh, the notion that uh, raw bud is is just a little bit easier to abuse. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it seems at least to be more related to what you do recreationally, and it feels a little less like a medicine. So it's kind of an image thing about it. Um, now, I, I was concerned about it because it seemed like you, you got kind of real problems with dosing and, and accuracy. I mean, the fact the fact is, if you take two different, I mean, especially me as a, a, a novice, you take you take raw bud from two different pens, and, and one of them makes you higher than you kite, and, and the other one makes you drowsy. And you know, dosing is a little bit tricky. Now, maybe it's not, but I've talked to Ed Red, and he says, well, no, the fact is, is you take raw bud and you measure it pretty carefully and you know what you're getting to begin with and you vape it right, you get a pretty accurate dosing. So I'm, I'm a little less leery of raw bud. And really, for me, the only the only angst I have left about it is it's too, it's the same, you know, it's a, it's a kissing cousin to, you know, to uh, illegal use of cannabis. It's kind of the same thing where, you know, we sell morphine. We don't sell heroin. Uh, we sell morphine in pills and shots and that sort of thing. We don't sell the black tar that you heat with a spoon and then mainline. I mean, you know, you don't want to say it's the same kind of a concept of if it's medicinal, let's let's uh, create genuinely medicinal forms. So, if raw bud's a medicinal form, so be it. Got it. And it's kind of heartening, frankly, to hear you say things that I would. I would anticipate, I would hope that the legislature um, understands for, you know, I was just back in North Carolina testifying at a, uh, a state Senate Judiciary Committee meeting. Mm-hmm. And in North Carolina, they're trying to pass a medical marijuana bill. 
right. right now. And they have goods, you know, they have good support. And, but the legislatures we talked to, boy, it was some of them really don't know anything at all <laughs> about, I mean, I hate to put it that way, but that's just the fact. It just was, it was pretty, pretty interesting. So timeline goes a little forward. The 2018, you're, you're now the chief sponsor of the cannabis. Was that the cannabis updates or the original? That's the update. That was the update. So we yeah, already had. The, uh, yeah. The, the, what happened is the referendum passed. Now, this may be a point of, of uh, argument or contention, but the referendum as passed was unworkable. I, I mean, it, it just it had some some very blatant contradictions in it. And both sides, I think, ultimately acknowledged that it had some real problems. They had negotiated a compromise. Um, I had been adamant enough about, you know, this is a wedge issue towards recreational that um, it, it was better for me not to be in the negotiations. And the, the sponsor in the House of, of the compromise bill that basically some people will say overturned, I would say properly implemented the uh, the referendum, not the referendum, the initiative. Yeah, the initiative, um, because the initiative allowed there's, you know, in the industry and there's some patient, some some patient groups who are like, OK, we had uh, I think they had smokable flour and they had um, grow your own. They had home grow and the compromise. Yeah. But the story, as the story has been told, actually on this podcast with Desiree Hennessy from the Utah Patients Coalition, the LDS, one of the big players, the LDS Church, said, "Look, we're we're going to oppose this, and uh -huh. that's not going to go well for in Utah." We're and the legislature agreed with some of the things that needed to be changed, and so before it even passed. This was already. If it does pass, we're going to compromise. We're going to do something with it. No, either way, either either way. Either way. Yeah, it was going to go either way. I see. So I mean, there was no now by it passing, um, it probably accelerated the timeline because, like I say, there were some issues in there that needed to be addressed immediately because they they just made. They put law enforcement and doctors and, and patients in kind of an impossible situation. And I'd have to go back and kind of think about what it was, but it was a very difficult situation. But the uh, the, the gentleman's agreement, which I firmly believe would have been honored, is whether or not the initiative passes, uh, we will move forward with this compromise. And the LDS Church, which I think was fully prepared to launch a fairly aggressive campaign back down and, and and all that being said the initiative passed by a fairly narrow margin so yeah. you know it was it was what it was but the there was no intent if the initiative failed to uh basically just go back to square zero i mean we had a compromise in place there had been a full-on press conference in which the lds church legislative leadership, the sponsors of the bill, and, and everybody had spoken to it. So it would have been a pretty major egg on the face thing if the legislature at that point would have said, well, it didn't pass, so on you. It just wouldn't <laughs> right. happen. So that compromise gets done, and there's a few things right away. I mean, like, that was about when I got involved in 2019, the end of 2019, you know, and right. 
and we still had the idea that when the first pharmacy opened, as far as the statute was concerned, we were going to get blister packs for flour. And everybody yeah. knew there were some things that had to be changed right away. Just as a matter of logistics, production, did you notice that right away when the bill got passed, when the original compromise got passed? Yep. <laughs> Look, every year, I mean, when I was up there every year, it was, uh, I mean, we started, I mean, literally the day after the session. And there were a couple times we even had that special session just to fix something that clearly was broken. And then we started, we'd start the day after the session on the next bill to say, okay, here's the laundry list of things we're going to do next year to kind of clean things up. I mean, the fact is that Utah has never been in the business. And, and you know, some like some people take umbrage with this. The fact is, is what Utah was trying to do was be the FDA, the DEA, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, they were trying to create an entire structure that they'd never had to do before. You know, mm -hmm. this was this was all new territory. And we we were going to receive no help from the federal government or maybe didn't even want help from the federal government. We just had to figure this all out. And so, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a work in progress. I mean, I, I'm a software engineer by, by profession. And, and so I'm very used to the idea that you release software that works pretty well, but has bugs in it. And then, you know, it's an ongoing process to, to fix problems as they come up. There's problems now. There's things that are going on now with supply chain and different things like that that aren't quite right. There's problems with a, a lack of research in the state that still need to be fixed. It's going to be an ongoing issue for years to come. And we're looking at other states and seeing what they're doing. And, and, and hopefully at some point, there'll be enough states that kind of get together a really good framework that's genuinely medical that the federal government will take notice of and go, okay, maybe we better just have a national program. We have this in, you know, 50 yeah, or 49, now, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's, state. there's now 37 states with some type of program. States. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of progress did you what other states did you guys look at is that is that a thing you're looking at okay in in this state they're doing this um, yeah, wisconsin pennsylvania were two of the main ones wisconsin's got a very very locked down program pennsylvania has i think a really good program i can't remember it seemed like new orleans not new orleans but louisiana had a pretty decent program as i recall that they were implementing and what we were looking for is states that generally treated it like medicine and, and also had a strong research component. So that was the kinds of things we were looking for. I mean, we wanted doctors to feel, you know, not just, I mean, sometimes you have kind of this, this niche of doctors who just do cannabis and nothing else. We wanted doctors across the, the, the spectrum to say, okay, you know what, this has some legitimate use. I've seen really good peer-reviewed research. I've seen enough information. I'm, I'm, I'm clear on what the, the side effects are, what the downside is, the contraindications. I mean, look, you're a PA. You know as well as I do, there are some people you should not be giving TAC to. That, you know? that is true. I, mean, I, I hope you, I mean, you got to acknowledge that there's some people say, you know what, you better not have TAC. It will not go well with you. No, okay? it's definitely, there's definitely not. I mean, I, my personal view is it's great as a medicine. Um, you know, it's, it's can be very effective for, for certain individuals with certain conditions. 
it's relatively safe to try for the most part. That's, you know, that's my opinion of it. And that I think bears out in the research. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm fascinated with the idea of legislation. Cannabis is unique as a drug because it's legislated. It's one of the only parts of medical practice that just has such a legislative component in this legal crime. Uh, you know, there's there's this whole history of in this entire country of marijuana in general. Yeah. And and it puts everybody into a I don't know, it seems like a heightened state. You know, everybody's got well, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And the reason for that is because you have this conundrum. Federally, it's illegal. I mean, what we're doing as a state is basically violating federal law. Now, we can talk about niceties like recommending instead of prescribing and, and et cetera, and, and fair use and all that kind of stuff. At the end of sure. the day, it's illegal federally. I mean, you know, yeah. if, if the DA decided to... Uh, I mean, I, I think the hue and cry would be fascinating, but the DA decided to move into a, uh, a pharmacy in, in any state in the nation and say, we're shutting you down. Yeah. What do you do? I mean, the fact is, like, this is cannabis and it's illegal. And I don't care what you say, we're shutting you down. The fact they haven't done it is fascinating, but it, it means we have all these legislative loopholes and, and pitfalls and traps and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it would be much nicer. Two things. It would be nice, really, really nice if cannabis in general were Schedule 2. I mean, look, name some drugs are Schedule 2 that are scary. Yeah. Well, they're, I mean, Percocet, Lortab, Benzos, they're all the, but I, uh, I mean, I go along this line and you have, um, and you have a regulatory framework, you have interstate commerce, you have, Everything is all set up if you just yeah. make it Schedule 2. It just is all there. Two, look, and, and all of the research that could go on, okay, I'm, I might be a little more skeptical than you. I think that there, there have been some serious side effects from cannabis. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But you know what? Let's find out. I mean, good grief. Let's start having some double-blind studies. Let's let's get this out in, in the open. I mean, you, you talked to the U of U and... And they say, yeah, well, we, we have a Schedule One license. Well, how many people do you study it on? They, they finally do have a person study, which I had not seen the results of. Yep. They said, well, we study on dogs. Well, good for you. you got a Schedule One <laughs> license. They study on dogs. Way to go. Right. And in 37 states. Yeah. And th- and well, and now 35,000 35, Utahns are legal cannabis users now. So yeah. there's got to be more we can do from a human research perspective. Compare it to different drugs. Uh, the comparative studies I'm most interested in, you know, compare, compare, yeah. compare Ambien and a little THC and CBD and CBN. Let's compare it. Let's, let's see. I, I'd love to see that. I, I'd love to see that. Cause I, I think, I mean, everything, everything I hear, and again, from advocates and people who are, you know, the chemistry say a little bit of THC, not a lot, a lot does make you high, but a little bit in there really puts a spark plug on that, on that compound. You know, it really lights it, it, it makes it much more effective without really modifying, uh, you know, the the uh, the mood of the person. Yeah. So, you know, those kinds of studies where, you know, I, I mean, the fact is we know how we know how opioids work inside and out. We know them backwards and forwards. We, we know how a lot of these OTC drugs work. We, we, you know, that, but, but cannabis, well, 
What's the long-term effects? Um, how does it work on kids? Um, what what happens if you if you have other drugs you're taking with it? Well, it's probably safe, but you know, maybe it's not. There might be some new drug that comes out that you take cannabis with it, and it you know who knows. So, yeah, I worry. I actually worry about that. Uh, those drug drug interactions worse than anything is that you'd get somebody on cannabis, and they'd be using it fine, and then they come out with something new, and there's no there's no data about it. They're not doing any research about it, and then somebody has a bad outcome. Exactly. And then you know, and then if the federal government hasn't hasn't fixed it yet, then you've got this you've we've got a worse conundrum, right? But yeah. there's still the gun ownership issue. You know, you've got to fill out the form and, and you've got to either lie or not buy a, or a gun on a, on your federal ATF form. You've got yeah. law enforcement, I think still, even though they, ah, it's, there's a little bit of trickiness. I feel like with law enforcement still um, with THC, you've got on the, the highway side, the federal side, of course, crossing state lines was an issue, uh, you mm -hmm. know, up until we had enough product in Utah um, to sell. But it's still going to be a it's still going to be an issue. I mean, you've got a couple of dispensaries who make their living on, you know, on Utahns right off uh, right off the border. Right, right, and and that's true, and uh, yeah, all of it. But yeah, you're right. If if, if we could have interstate commerce, we have it be scheduled to. We have all the research. I would happily. Uh, you know, if I was in the legislature, I would happily roll back our Utah regulation and let it fall under. I mean, you know, the, the feds do plenty of things wrong and right, but uh, the fact is, is if we have a consistent regulatory envelope that encompasses all medication, it just seems like it would be better for everybody if we could do that. And, and this really ridiculous conundrum we have is it's just a giant headache. Do you feel like the qualification list that Utah put together is pretty good? Do you feel, did you argue one way or the other on, you know, expanding it, things like that? Did you have a part to play in that? Um, I thought it was okay. And uh, I mean, I was comfortable because we got the compassionate use board and we tracked that. And uh, the, the one thing that uh, comes up pretty clearly is there have been some compassionate use applicants and they have received it but as i recall it's been a while since we've had a hearing on it but it seems like there's not very many that are having to go to compassionate use routes and they always manage to find uh, something on the list I mean, the fact is if you have uh, let's say you have uh, lupus or something like that it's not on the list uh, the fact is you probably have chronic pain and that is on the list so you know there's some symptoms you probably have that is on the list somewhere. If, you know, if, if you really have something that cannabis is going to help, uh, could we refine it? Yeah, we probably could. And over time, as research comes in, I suspect we will. Yeah. But uh, you know, when I when I see if we were to see again, speaking as a not there right now, if we were to see a huge surge in compassionate use for, you know, name your condition, then that's a pretty solid argument. Hey, we should move that to the to the list. So yeah. I haven't seen that, but maybe maybe it's happening now, but I haven't seen it. So it feels like we probably hit the list pretty close. Yeah, I think you're, you know, on on the medical side, on the medical clinic side, and seeing patients, 
we have what's called a what we call a, a medical cannabis advisory group with the Utah Cannabis Association, a group of QMPs and pharmacists, small group who's developing a survey because on the one hand, you're, you're absolutely right. If you had like lupus or you had something that caused pain, you could qualify under pain and then right. you get access. On the other hand, from a medical standpoint, we like to know what the what the diagnosis is. It's not as good for research if everybody just qualifies for pain. You know, it'd right. be easier if if we had, oh yeah, you qualify for insomnia and you qualify for, you know, neuropathy. And I can separate those out from a research perspective. Right. So we like the, you know, on me personally, I kind of, you know, I don't mind the list because you're right. With the chronic pain, that brings in quite a few people who want to and who do qualify for um, a medical marijuana card. And like I say, on the other hand, I'd like to expand the list a little so we could do a little bit better research and target that. Um, well, see, there, there again, it gets, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. I mean, ideally, what you'd like is something like a PDR, right? Yeah. Physicians misreference, which is here's, here's the list of conditions. Here's how cannabis response so here's maybe the dosage profile you want to look at and and if necessary here's some black box labels where you really don't want to be using cannabis it's not the right thing so, you know here's the drug to drug interaction if we had all of that research in place then it would be easy i mean i guess the reason that i see for the list more than anything else is you have a lot of doctors out there who are like i don't know what to prescribe it for i mean it's I, so I true you know, it's, we it, do it's as much not, education for the for the other QMPs as we probably yeah. do for patients, just because that's the case. Once you yeah. know about, once you learn about it, and the growers and the pharmacists, what do you think? This kind of changes gears a little bit. What do you think about the pharmacists in the pharmacies here in Utah? Do you think that was good, uh, a good way to go, or too absolutely expensive? Yeah. I absolutely necessary. I'll tell you why. I I see other states that have bud tenders who have no qualifications whatsoever or required qualifications. And, and that, you know, that scares me to death. I mean, I've heard stories, and again, maybe I didn't go, maybe I'm, I'm just being paranoid, but it would seem to me that if there's no qualification, if all I have is a card, which is a, not a card saying I have this condition and I need this kind of a dosage profile, which I'm sure you as a PA, that's what you do. You know, you, you, you don't just say, go buy marijuana, right? You say- No, but, we, but there are a lot of, there are, there's plenty of QMPs out there, I'm sure do that. And yeah. like, you, like you just finished saying, there's a lot of docs and, and PAs, nurse practitioners who are going to be like, eh, I mean, I don't know, you, you qualify, yeah. but I don't know what to, what to tell you. After that, and the, and the idea is, if we have some specialized pharmacists, that's in other words, they've got the pharmacy background, so they're very comfortable with, you know, all the things you need to know about dispensing a drug, right? Mm -hmm. And then they specialize in cannabis, so they've got that additional uh, expertise that says, okay, we know about dosing, we know about conditions, all that kind of stuff. And so now you've got a resource that people can call and say, well, okay, I've got a patient with so and so. What do you think? And have that consultation and that helps the doctor and the patient because you know the doctor is more focused on maybe the the body the physiology the, the pharmacist is more focused on the dosage and the side of you know whatever it is but they work together 
with a bud tender, it, it just seems like you, you have the potential for, I've got a right to shop car. I can now walk into a, a dispensary in, 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 well, let's just say Colorado, right? And the bud tender, if he's even slightly unethical or unscrupulous or just figures that making money is, is king, says, you know what, I, I'm going to try to sell you the most addictive, you know, high-producing stuff I can because I want you as a repeat patient. Now, maybe that's paranoid on my part, but it just doesn't feel medical when you go into a bud tender and he's recommending whatever with, without any medical training whatsoever. So, yeah, to me, the pharmacist is a really important part of the whole medical plan that makes it medicine, not, uh, uh, well, I, I will use a, an analogy that was uh, promoted by, do you know who Scott Imler is? No. Scott Imler is the author of the original California medical cannabis bill. And and he, he, he this day openly regrets some of the things he did. Because what he says now about California is the dispensaries in California, in his words, not mine, yeah. are nothing more than drug dealers for the storefront. Mm. And, and then we don't want to be that. So, uh, yeah, to me, the pharmacy is a big deal. I think uh, there's other states, definitely. I know when I was in North Carolina, they had a lot of questions about the pharmacist and about, you know, that regulation. And it, it does seem like it's a good argument from a medical standpoint to have a pharmacist in there. We, we really, you know, we communicate with them all the time. I have another question for you. And that is, why is the state of Utah decide, why did they decide not to charge sales tax? Uh, that was a, a huge push from Libertas. They first of all, they don't want any taxes, but it's the same reason we don't charge sales tax on any other medication. If you go and buy opioids from a, from a pharmacy, there's no sales tax. So the idea is that charging taxing for uh, an important medical thing, important medicine, is kind of a you know you, you're you're just digging into the patient even more. So let's not. Let's not put the state overhead on that. Now, the downside to that is, uh, you know, we, we could take that sales tax and maybe earmark it a little bit for different things, but that was kind of a negotiated point. The patients like it. I know the patients still complain that things are too expensive, but um, yeah. but there's a lot of reasons for that. And we talk, you know, multiple, multiple guests have talked about really how how expensive it is now but comparing that to other states and then everybody seems to agree that prices will come down for patients mm -hmm. over time yeah we need to increase supply we need to make sure supply meets demand and and uh one of the ironies you have is when you have a limited number of growers it it becomes in their best interest to limit the supply and that's a problem so it would be nice if there was enough growing to meet demand in, in, in an economical way. And of course, some of the demand, there are some patients who just, are, you know, since they're paying cash for it, may decide, you know what, I got my insurance, I'll go try a different route. And, uh, and so that decreases demand in a way you don't want it decreased because if cannabis really is the better route, you want that to be accessible to the patient. So that, that's an ongoing problem. Yeah. So what's next for Brad Daw? <laughs> well, let's see. I've got dinner at six. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You know, I I will. I, I mean, look, I, I've got public service in the blood, and you know, what do I do specifically? Well, it, it depends. I, I I've worked with the, the hemp growers. I, I've worked with the legislators trying to help. You know, make sure that the hemp law is right because that's kind of my that's my baby. I I, I did that uh, not not on my own, but essentially that was my bill and got it passed in kind of a miraculous sort of way, honestly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and I've been very proud of the fact that Utah has a pretty decent hemp industry now because of it. Um, and, of course, I'm very involved in the cannabis side of things. I've been involved in other election issues. Uh, so I don't see stepping away completely. I mean, right now I've got plenty going on with work and family and stuff. I've got always plenty to do. But uh, I, I don't see myself staying completely out of the public arena for any length of time. So... I mean, I've come on here doing podcasts, and it's been great, great fun to talk with you. It's been a real yeah. opportunity. So, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, is there some place we can follow you, or that listeners can, you know, pay attention to what you're doing? Um, honestly, I don't really post much anymore. I don't do much on social media, so um, not not really. That's <laughs> <I may start laughs> right. again, but no. I mean, I I use my Facebook page for family pictures. I've gotten the Lake Brad Dobb page, but I don't really keep that up to date. If if things change, I'll you'll see it. But right now, I I don't do much. Most of my work is more behind the scenes, working with people in office and and different policymakers. That's kind of where I'm, I'm living right now. I'm not doing much publicly. You're uh, you're smart. <laughs> It has its benefits. I'm sure, I'm sure that has its benefits at this point in time. Well, yeah. uh, thanks again for coming on. You can find these podcasts at utahmarijuana.org slash podcast. Again, Brad Daw, thanks for coming. Um, great conversation. Take care. Is there anything you want to say before we let everybody go? Genuine pleasure. And, you know, have me back on anytime you like. I, I really love talking policy and, and you're, you've been a lot of fun to, to talk with i i've enjoyed your medical expertise that's made it really interesting for me so i appreciate it and i'd be happy to come on again anytime great thanks all right everybody stay safe out there